Welcome to episode 78 of the Total Boardroom for the week of February 15th, 2024. My name's Logan Play, and I'm joined this week just by Chris Shriver. Hi, Chris. Good evening. Justin is at a uh, science fair this evening, I hear. Blowing up a volcano, probably? Yeah, that's... Uh, what else do you do at I, science fairs? I assume that is the only experiment that children are allowed to uh, to do at science fairs. I think so. Yeah. I never did one, though. I actually, uh, when I had a science fair, it was more like, I think it was called an invention convention. And you were supposed to come up with like some idea and basically build a prototype of it. And that's what you brought to the science fair. So it wasn't the same like traditional volcano bubbling over with the chemical reaction like you always see on TV. Did you go to one of those like traditional science fairs? I feel like I did uh, some kind of potato thing, maybe. I remember remember that being uh, a part of my life. Plugging wires into like a, using potato. a potato to finish the circuit. Yeah. 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 Um, it's the only one that jumps to mind. And then I was super into like Lego robotics and uh, connects okay. as a kid. Yeah. Probably oh, not the connects same thing. Cool. But yeah. It was a big connects, connects really kid. Cool. Yeah. So Justin, not with us this week, but he should be back next week. This week, we have a lot to talk about, kind of, starting with. 3DS Game Night, I want to circle back on. We hosted the Toadstool Boardroom's first ever multiplayer game night. Come join our Discord server. The link is on Twitter, so come hang out with us in our new Discord community. But our first night featured some Mario Kart 7, some Super Smash Brothers for 3DS, and the main event of the evening was Kid Icarus Uprising. And Chris, you said something that really stuck with me, which is... I can see why people get into this. And that warmed my heart. It was a small comment, but it stuck with me. What did you think of Kid Icarus Uprising? I just wish the controls were better, um, which I know is like the the, the first thing people say. Um, yeah. But that game has so many unique ideas. Um, and it it's it's really a shame that uh, like the form factor is what kind of gets in the way of it. Like I understand completely what people are always talking about when they, they say... Um, they want that game ported to Switch because I think it would be a great title. It would be a great online title. Um, I could have... If if my hands could physically handle it, I would have kept playing the multiplayer in that game that night because um, I was having so much fun with it. I did terribly, but I was having fun with it. And that's saying something. Um, usually, if you're you know getting smoked that badly um, or just not doing that well... Um, it's like a bad round of Call of Duty. It's like, all right, how many times am I going to get yeah. smacked around? Um, or, or playing Mario Tennis with you. But uh, <laughs> that was... Uh, <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I thought it was a, a really unique game and, and really um, impressive for what they, they managed to, uh, to do on the 3DS hardware. You heard it here, folks. Kid Icarus Uprising is unique and impressive from someone who just played it for the first time That's right. in 2024. So, yeah, it's awesome. It needs to come back. It is such a good Nintendo game. It's such a great Sakurai game. And, yeah, one of my favorites. And it was just kind of reiterated why I love it so much when we played the multiplayer. Because it's been years since I've played that multiplayer mode. Because it's a dead community. We had to wrangle a group of six people together to be able to do it. And it's just a blast. The Just the, the map variety is awesome. The combat is awesome. Like, it all just works really well. I didn't experience a second of lag in no, a very, very action intensive with a lot going on on the screen game and it ran perfectly it ran better than some switch games do online it's crazy it runs better than smash does online for sure and there's a lot going on in this game it's an incredibly impressive game no i completely agree uh also shout out to (coughs) excuse me not just the people that played with us but 
who I imagine is the number one ranked player on the planet in that game, um, yeah. which was uh, oh shoot now now his name is escaping me. It was um, uh, Master Knight. I Master think. Knight. That was it. Yeah, Master, Master Knight. Knight uh, we we sat comfortably in his backpack. I'll say that because uh, you know they would show the the points that like each character or each player would get, and like you know it would say Shrive's ninety three. 200 and then they would show master knight and it was like 2000 it was just completely you know blew everybody out of the water it was incredible what this guy was able to do master knight's been waiting years for someone to be online playing kid icarus uprising again and yeah it delivered so yeah. it was a ton of fun thanks to everyone who came out for 3ds game night next time around well we might do another 3D, 3ds night before the server shut down because i want to play kid icarus i would love to online again with people before it's gone forever but after that point, which is just about a month away, we will host a Nintendo Switch game night, so uh, you don't have to bust out the old hardware to get it done. But yeah, thanks to everyone who joined us. It was a lot of fun, and we will do it again very soon. Let's get into the news for this week. Our first topic is uh, Nintendo hosted what I like to call a mini Twitter Direct over the last week. They just dropped trailers left and right on Twitter without an official Nintendo Direct presentation. We got a couple of Splatoon trailers, and the big one was we got another Princess Peach Showtime trailer. This revealed four more transformations. The Dashing Thief, which is like Zoro Princess Peach. Uh, the Figure Skater, Mighty Peach, which is like Power Rangers or Big Hero 6 Princess Peach and mermaid peach so this trailer was very similar in layout and format to the last trailer we got for princess peach showtime which also detailed four brand new transformations and chris it's it honestly left me feeling kind of the same as i felt about this game because it was kind of the same trailer just with four new transformations and your expression tells me that it didn't do much for you either uh, no, I think it just cemented the fact that this game is not for me. Um, I think it is definitely targeted targeting a younger audience. Um, I'm I'm kind of expecting that this is going to play out in like each type of peach is like a different act or like a different level within the game. Because <clears throat> unfortunately, we still don't really know how this game works um, or, or we don't know yeah, like the level structure of it. Like we just we have no idea. Um, nobody's really had a preview event. Nintendo hasn't hosted a preview event for this game and and all that. Um, I'm I have the bar is very low for me for this game. Um, I think if you have a, a young kid and they're looking for like a, a Yoshi's Crafted World or a Yoshi Woolly World or a Kirby ass game, um, I think this is it. Um, this is definitely one of them, you know, to, to check out. Um, at least it, it appears to be that way. Um, it seems like controls are going to be pretty simple. Um, but there's enough variety to keep it interesting for a younger player. Uh, I think most older players though are going to look at this and be like, what, what is, who is this for? Cause it's not for them. Yeah. Will they go, who is it for? Or that this is for kids. It depends on how <laughs> emotionally mature that person is. Yeah. Let's say that. <laughs> this isn't for me, so I hate it, and it's bad. Exactly. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. I'm still holding out hope that this is going to be maybe something more than what it's looking like right now. And, and maybe there will be some clever puzzles with some of the abilities, but I'm starting to sound like a broken record because I've talked about the same thing on so many different episodes, but I'm just worried they're all going to be shallow. I'm just worried every transformation is going to last less than an hour and then you never see it again and you never do anything interesting with it. It's just fun to look at, I guess, and which is fun for a certain audience, just kind of a, I mean, a younger audience or 
there's fun to be had in a game like this that's kind of super easy, no, no real challenge. Like, I enjoy the Yoshi games you mentioned, but it's not on the level of a Luigi's Mansion or Mario Odyssey, which is what I wanted a Peach game to be. I wanted her to get this game that belongs on a top 25 Nintendo Switch game list, and this isn't looking like that, which is a bummer. I think if it... How do I put this? If Nintendo thought this would be that kind of game, they would be marketing it in a much different light. And I think the way that they've been pushing this, pushing out information for this so far is a pretty clear indication that they know that this is not like a gangbuster. Like they're not, you know, you're not getting a deep dive like you would like not Breath of the Wild, but like, you know, a a Nintendo Treehouse Live like we did for Mario Odyssey or anything like that. Like you're just you're not seeing that with this game. And I think it's because they know like it's pretty surface level. Um and I think that's okay. I think it's a good gateway for new, new young, and I'll genderize it female players, right? Like if if I had a daughter and she wanted to get her into video games and she watched the Mario movie, um, and this game existed, I mean, I would absolutely pick this up. It, it it's that game, um, and I think that's fine. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's good for young boys to play a video game absolutely. where you're a girl. Also, I think absolutely. that's great. Yeah, I think. I think that's something that's lacking in Nintendo's catalog across the board. They're, they've gotten a lot better at it in recent years. Mario Kart, Smash Brothers have more women and girls to choose than ever before. And then we just got another code earlier this year, which is an, it's about a teenage girl. You play as her the entire time. So they're getting better at that. So I like it just for that, that they've had this trio of princesses in their stable for years that people love with, with Peach, Daisy, and Rosalina, but they've largely been relegated to side duties. And, yeah. oh, you can race them in Mario Kart, but when the big tentpole release comes out, she's still the one getting kidnapped by Bowser, and Mario's still the one going to save her. And it's nice that they are changing that up finally and and giving... You, you look at all the characters that have gotten games on Switch. Toad, Yoshi, DK, Mario, Luigi, Wario... Like, where, where's the games for Peach and Daisy and Rosalina? It's great that it's finally happening. So I'm totally down with that. I just don't want the Peach series to be relegated to that kind of kitty category that we put Kirby in or that we put Yoshi in. And I feel like Yoshi has been stuck there forever. We had a conversation several months ago about how Yoshi's the most underserved franchise Nintendo has because it's just been turned into baby's first platformer, which Kirby already is. And I don't want Peach to fall into that category also, because I feel like there's a market where like slot in there with Luigi's mansion is this really unique, not a platformer adventure game, which again, this could still turn out to be, we're still waiting for that six minute overview trailer, which I'm sure will drop two weeks before the game comes out. And maybe we walk away from that or when we've both finally played the game, because we're both playing this game. Yeah. Maybe we walk away surprised. So yeah, I'm hopeful for it. I just think that Peach maybe deserves a little bit better than this. What if they, what if the decision was made where it's like, okay, we're going to have Peach be in that uh, pillar of the age range of Nintendo games. So let's let's put it that way. But then they said, all right, now Daisy is like the next one. Like, but if you're if you're a a ten to thirteen year old player, um, we're going to make like almost like an Uncharted esque like Tomb Raider S game starring Daisy or something like no that. No way. You're, I wish. That'd be no super way. cool. Yeah. If, if Daisy's not getting her own game, it took 20 years for Peach to get another one. I know. I, I just it. love the idea yeah. of like them having this line of, you know, give the princesses their own franchises. Why not? Yeah. 
And Galaxy 3 with Rosalina, where you play as Rosalina. How cool there would you that go. be? Yeah. That'd be awesome. And yeah, it's, it's interesting, though, because now pretty much every character in the Mario movie is going to have a game you can buy on Switch. You can walk into a store, and they could even make a display for this. That's like the Super Mario Brothers movie, like cross Nintendo Switch. And you have Blu-rays for the Mario movie on one side, and then Mario Odyssey, Luigi's Mansion, Mario vs. Donkey Kong, Captain Toad, Princess Peach Showtime on the other side. I wouldn't be shocked if we see that at Walmarts or Targets popping oh, up here in the next Oh, for sure. Months. Yeah. It'd be a great move. And maybe Amiibo down below. Although this game's not getting Amiibo support from what we know so far. Yeah. It's, it's looking dead on that front. Which I feel like that, yeah, we, we definitely would have known. Well, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I can't decide. Yeah, we maybe want to know by now. <laughs> they could do it like, like six so months after the fact. But we never got them for yeah. uh, Mario Wonder either. No, I think Amiibo are on the way out. Sora's the last figure that we know about. They're still doing the the power-up bands at Nintendo World with Diddy Kong and Donkey Kong for the new DK Country expansion, but those they don't even brand those as Amiibo. Even though they work as Amiibo, they don't brand them as such. Yeah. And Sora's the last one we know about. But yeah, Pikmin 4 didn't get them. Mario Wonder didn't. Mario vs. Donkey Kong didn't get a mini Mario toy Amiibo. Rocket and the Princess That's Peach Amiibo. a shame. I would love a mini Mario similar to um, the Link's Awakening one. That would have been really cool. That that shine. Yeah. Yeah. That would be super nice. So, yeah, I think it's a bummer that because they're releasing so many games where like that is perfect for Amiibo. All the outfits that Peach is in. What if they did like a blind box gotcha style Amiibo run of those? People would hate it. I, I know. Chris is already so much. Oh, my God. But I could see it. I oh, I could definitely like, see it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they make Ten four figures, Ninja Peaches and yeah. yeah. I trade with your friends, but. Yep, so Princess Peach Showtime, we will see. I'm not writing it off yet. I'm happy it exists still. I just hope it's great. I still, th- I, I think it'll still be enjoyable, just maybe not memorable, is kind of how I'm feeling about yeah. it. Yeah. At this point. Splatoon 3 Side Order got an overview trailer, like we were talking about Princess Peach needs. This is out next week, Thursday the 22nd. This is the big single-player DLC that's part of that Splatoon 3 expansion pass. Chris, I think this looks just awesome. I think sucking all of the the color out of the world of Splatoon makes it look so incredibly cool. Yeah, um, if you're familiar with uh, a game from the PS3 generation, it's been ported to other platforms, but uh, the Unfinished Swan, it kind of reminds me of that game. That that was a game where, uh, do you know what, no what this is? No, um, I'm going to look it up. Quick. So this is one, it was first person. It actually gave me a vertigo uh, because of the way that it's set up. Um Wow, but looks cool. you uh, walk around and the, the whole space is white. Uh, the, the blob is kind of similar to this as well. If, yeah. you, if you're familiar with that on the Wii. Um, but you would just like splatter paint. And then uh, it was like a first person uh, platformer. Um, and it, you would kind of like <laughs> pave the way. Um, it's probably closer to, to the blob than than Unfinished Swan. But um, I'm very excited for this. I think this has the, the potential to keep uh, if you're a Splatoon fan, I think this will keep you busy for probably two to four weeks um, to try and ease the pain of not having a Nintendo Direct. I imagine we're not having one, um, and if you know that'll at least bring you into March, and then and then Peach is out, right? Um, so you, you'll have that in Mario versus Donkey Kong, and then hopefully a little bit after that, we we hear uh, you know the big news, but. Um, no, I love the uh, the progression uh, system that they they kind of outline where you do have those permanent upgrades similar to you know every other roguelike 
um, you know, Hades and, and Returnal and things like that. Um, I think the vibe is really cool. It's very like dystopian, um, almost like 1984, um, like, you know, totally. big brother is watching kind of deal. Um, mm-hmm. no, I'm super into everything about this. Like, I'm really excited to play it. Hey, I just had this question pop into my head now. I wish I had done some research on this before the show. Is this Nintendo's first roguelite? Yeah. I can't think of another one no. off the top of my head. No, I and that was some like mode somewhere. No, I mean, there. Think about it. They. What other game would have it? Like Splatoon yeah, like, is really uh, the only one. Smash Brothers or or something like that. Maybe like there's Smash doesn't have it. Zelda doesn't have it. Yeah. Like they're really the only yeah, ones they're... that you'd probably put it in. Yeah. So that's pretty cool because typically when Nintendo takes a stab at a genre, they do it in a pretty cool way. And Splatoon is an example of that. It's a shooter and yeah. it's awesome and so different than everything else. So to combine I mean, one of the hottest genres there is right now, it's the year of the single player roguelite DLC. Last of Us got it. God of War got it late last year. Splatoon is getting it. And then in addition to games like Dead Cells or Hades 2 is coming out this year, like they're just all over the place. This genre exploded i'd say in the last i don't know five six years and nintendo's taking a crack at it splatoon's the perfect match and just hearing about they did a preview event for this game earlier this week and just hearing about some of the stuff people are talking about coming out of that like how you can basically turn the splat charger which is splatoon's equivalent of a sniper and basically turn it into a shotgun that you can fire over and over and it doesn't take five seconds to charge each shot like it normally does abilities like that where it doesn't matter if it's balanced because it's a single player experience. That's so cool. And Splatoon has like hundreds of weapon combinations at this point and dozens of different types of weapons. So kind of unlocking those tools for the player and seeing how high you can climb in this tower. I think it's going to be awesome. And yeah, the visuals just look so, so cool too. Like the way the paint just really pops uh, in a world that is otherwise entirely black and white. I just think they're doing everything right with this. And I think it's going to be a big hit. Yeah, the uh, the power fantasy that you kind of get out of these kinds of games is uh is pretty unique. Um, and other than balancing, um, you know the the upgrade and and the the upgrades and the progression cycle within them. Um, I mean, asset wise, like I I can't imagine there's. I mean, obviously there's some they had to create, but like you're basing it off of an already existing IP. So like the they have a lot less to lose if people don't like it. Um, like it is additional content. It's not like, you know, they're, they're building this whole brand new thing from the ground up. Um, and I think, you know, them and, you know, like you said, the last of us, like they are, it's a really smart way to reutilize a lot of, uh, these assets and get people back into these games that, um, otherwise would be sitting on the shelf. Um, like if you, especially like I enjoy Splatoon a lot. Um, but I enjoy it way more. I enjoy the multiplayer way more if I'm playing with friends. And I feel like we only get to do that maybe once every two months or so. Um, and the, the idea of there being a single player experience that isn't the campaign that I can go into and really feel like I'm making progression in, um, because I do really enjoy that loop. Like that is very appealing to me. And I think it is to a lot of people that are probably in a similar position to me where it's like, you only get like, 30 to 60 minutes a day if you're lucky to play something like the commitment is very low um so no i'm all about make everything 
add roguelike to everything that you can. I just hope that there's ways to like pause or run. Like if you get to a floor and you want to stop, I hope you can just stop without just putting the console into rest mode. Like if I want to play something else, I hope that that's easy to get out and do that. Uh, by the way, I did think of one Nintendo roguelite. They didn't make it though. They just published it. Cadence of Hyrule is the only one that I yeah. can think of. Yeah. Well, and then that, that, uh, Crypt of the Necro Dancer is also like the original uh, Cadence yeah. of Hyrule is also on a uh, Switch. Yeah, there's plenty of them on Switch. I just yeah. like, published. Oh, that they published. Yeah, 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 I got yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Cadence, I think, is the only one <laughs> I can think of. Are you a big roguelite fan, just kind of in general? Like, what are what are some of the best roguelites? If people listening are new to the genre and are interested in trying out Splatoon, where's somewhere to look? There are so, many that I have not played, um, but of the ones that I have played, um, Hades, uh, I mean, that, that mode in The Last of Us Part Two, Returnal, if you have a PS5 or a PC, is good but it is brutal it is a very difficult game um people used to point to rogue legacy and rogue legacy 2 um i think more people point to 2 now since like hades has come out hades kind of like reset the bar i think for the genre a little bit um yeah those are the dead ones cells that is one i hear people talk about a lot dead yeah, cells dead and cells it has that one. new castlevania dlc too yep. with richter and yeah that's a cool my cat too. just turned yeah, on I've... a uh, baby toy i apologize if you heard that <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i don't think we can hear it yeah i don't think we have it um where was i going with that castlevania wait a second okay castlevania yeah castlevania that roguelite mode in dead cells looks super cool i'm not typically a huge roguelite person i think that I like games where i can feel the progress that i'm making as i'm making it and also typically roguelite games are, are randomly generated like a lot of them are that's that's some hallmarks of the genre not always but sometimes like the levels are randomly generated and i'm not usually super huge on that um and some of the randomness that goes into that but it, if it's a good one it can really hook me like they're like i really like cadence of hyrule and you slap zelda on anything i'm probably going to like it i like what i've played of dead cells it's brutally hard but it's really really cool so yeah i'm psyched oh slay the spire is like a card-based oh people and people that play that game are very into it i tried it i saw the merits and i said i can't do this i can't devote the hours that this is would take for me if i got really into it but that's a really cool one too so i'm super super excited for this and to another point you made chris about another single player option we praised splatoon 3 when it launched in 2022 for how much stuff it had it had a the biggest single player campaign they've ever launched the most robust multiplayer at launch they've ever had salmon run available 24 hours a day instead of the limited windows like it was in splatoon 2 a card battler mode customization options a seasonal battle pass that's free because you bought the game and now they're adding a single player roguelite like this, and you do have to pay for it. It's 30 bucks for the expansion pass. But once they add this, if it's as good as it's looking like it is, Splatoon 3 is one of the biggest pieces of content Nintendo's ever made. Like, it's just awesome. And I love to see it keep going. Yeah, no, I hope um, I hope it is just one example of, because I think there's also a limit to how many titles you want to be that big on, on a console. Um, yeah. But I, I do like the idea, because I think Mario Kart's probably like up there with it. Um, in terms of just like the breadth of content available on it. Um, but no, I hope it's just like one example of like what's to come in the next generation, like that they use this model um, moving forward. Yeah, they've come a long way in the 
quote unquote live servicey aspects of some of their games. Splatoon 3 is a big winner. I know some people are mad that the Battle Pass started to recycle some prizes in more recent seasons, but they're still adding so much to this game. And speaking of, they're adding an airport map, which looks really cool. Fresh season starts on March 1st and it's coming with the I don't have the name in front of me. But yeah, it's a new airport level, which hasn't been in a previous Splatoon game. So I'm excited about that. A new season to jump into and try out all the new stuff that they're adding. So good times for Splatoon fans ahead. Let's talk about what's out this Friday, the day this episode comes out, which is Mario versus Donkey Kong reviews are in. So we haven't had a chance to pick it up and play it. You heard us talk about the demo a couple of weeks ago. But Mario versus Donkey Kong is sitting at a 79 on Open Critic right now. And I have a couple of snippets from some reviews to read. Charles Hart at Game Informer gives it an 8 and says, quote, Mario versus Donkey Kong is a simple game, but as is the case with Mario's best titles, there's an elegance to that simplicity. Nintendo has done a stellar job adding features to make it more palatable to a modern audience, but it only comes together because of how well the classic levels hold up. Mario and Donkey Kong have been rivals for over 40 years, and this game admirably carries that legacy forward. And then Tristan Ogilvie at IGN gives it a 7 and says, Coming in the wake of Super Mario Bros. Wonder Psychedelic Splendor, Mario vs. Donkey Kong's update of the 2004 GBA version is a markedly more modest Mario adventure in scope, but I still enjoyed puzzling my way through its trap-riddled rooms while they lasted particularly those found in its playful pair of brand new worlds that have interesting takes on the decades old mechanics. And yeah, Chris, that's something I've kind of seen across the board is people seem to think that the two new worlds they added are the clear highlight of this game. And it's led some reviewers that I've listened to wonder why didn't they just make a new game with six of these worlds instead of just the two, because they're, they're the clear standouts. So it does sound like the new content is a meaningful addition, but maybe it makes some of the GBA level design look a little bit stale. I also wonder if this is them testing the waters on this franchise again. So like this was a franchise that was really uh, prevalent on the GBA and the DS. Like there were, there were a couple uh, Mario first Donkey Kong, like March of the Minis and, you know, titles on there. Um, And this is a, this is a way for them to see uh, if people still are willing to pay, you know, like we've talked about time and time again, uh, as much as they are for a title like this, but um, even if it's like uh, genuinely, generally well received, um, you know, like if, if people do gravitate towards this or if, you know, it, and it, it sells enough units, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for them to make more, um, you know, using similar mechanics. Um, I'm sure it'll have, each one will have its own little like shtick, like, you know, the other ones have, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's also probably just way less effort to take existing levels instead of let's make eight new worlds of this, you know, franchise that's however old. <clears throat> and again, we still don't know who made this remake. We're still waiting to find out. I know that I will be searching for that in the credits after I finish the game, probably this weekend because it's such a short one. But yeah, I, I wonder, I'm still wondering why they picked this game to remake. You said maybe, yeah, maybe they are testing the waters for the franchise. I wish they were testing the waters for the Donkey Kong franchise, but they're just not doing it. And it feels like a weird comparison to make because even though Donkey Kong's name is in the title, this game has nothing to do with him except the boss fights, like in the story. Like it's not a Donkey Kong game. It's a Mario game where he faces off against Donkey Kong and does slower, more puzzly platforming than in the Super Mario games. So it feels weird that we're kind of taking aim at this one like we keep doing and saying well why aren't we getting just a donkey kong game instead but no this is a mario game and i think just donkey kong being in the title just 
it disappoints us a little bit because this month marks 10 years since Tropical Freeze and it's been dead silent on DK games since then, except for the port of Tropical Freeze to Switch. And I just still think it's a shame. We talk about the Mario movie getting those names on boxes on the shelves. I guess Donkey Kong's name is in a new title, but he's not the star of a game, which I think is a bummer. And I still think it has to be coming. I wonder how much of it, too, is like you have um, parents and in some cases grandparents that played the original Donkey Kong. Like don't, like you play as Jumpman in the original Donkey Kong. It's almost like the same kind of uh, comparison to be made. Um, like, yeah, his name's in the title, but he's really just the guy at the top of the screen. Um, I wonder if it's like, oh, well, I got little Jimmy, uh, a switch to play Mario Odyssey because he loved the Mario movie. Oh, and there's this arcadey type of Donkey Kong game. I used to love the Donkey Kong games, the arcade, like maybe some of it's that too, that like we haven't really considered. Um, I do agree though. Like I, I mean, I give anything for, you know, a standalone either 3d or another country, uh, you know, Donkey Kong game, um, or give me Donkey Kong racing that got canceled for the GameCube. Um, but yeah, I, 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 it's just, it's a safe move. Like anybody can pick this up and play it and, and, and be fine. You know, it's just, it's a puzzler, puzzle platformer. Um, but it is, it is a shame like that, you know, you're going to go to the Nintendo website and if you look up Donkey Kong, this comes up and it's kind of like, well, is it though? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's interesting because Donkey Kong does mean two things, like you just pointed out, right? right? This is kind of, this is in the Donkey Kong series of arcade games, like you just said. This right. is the modern day equivalent of Jumpman climbing up girders, hopping over barrels, and saving Pauline. Like, this is that. And uh, yeah, I wonder, is there an audience for that? I think it's cool that it exists because there are a lot of the sound effects and just some of the visuals from that arcade game modernized in this, like the hammer that Mario like goes yep. crazy with that, that he has in Donkey Kong. That's in this or the oil buckets with the flames coming out of it. That's in this too. Like it is the follow up to that, that Donkey Kong game, but it's just our, our guy deserves better. DK <laughs> deserves his own game. He really does. Yeah. Cause tropical freezes, just one of the greatest platformers ever. And I feel like we've had this discussion on the show before, but in the way that Yoshi is kind of like, okay, this is for the younger audience than Mario. Then you have super Mario, which is kind of like everybody can play this. And with how easy super Mario brothers wonder even was, do they even want to make challenging platformers anymore? Cause that's what donkey Kong is. And is Nintendo interested in making a more hardcore platformer or do they kind of see Metroid is checking that box of the more adult hardcore platformer game and do they just not see a market for a difficult linear 2d platformer anymore because they don't really make them anymore i mean it's an interesting question and then it it also brings into like you know if you were to lay out every title on the switch like what is the what is the target age range uh like the median age range that they're like trying to hit or skill level that they're trying to hit um versus what it might have been on maybe like the NES or the Super Nintendo like I bet you those results are very different um or or at least if if I were to it's hard though cuz like I I grew up in the 90s and early 2000s and you think of the Super Nintendo and some of those games now like if you give it to somebody they're going to have a hard time with it but that was all we knew at the time 
So, like, yeah, the target audience was a younger player, but those games are still, like, very difficult. We just had to be good to get through them. Um, And the technology was more limited, and developers were still learning they didn't need to make everything like an arcade game that was asking right. for another quarter. So right. it took it took multiple decades to kind of get to that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. I really I, I hate that we always just end up talking about Donkey Kong when we bring up this game, but that's just what it makes us think about. And I don't think we're alone in that. I think a lot of people are like Mario Wonder came out four months ago and it's a game where you control Mario in 2D and platform. And now here's this. And yeah, it feels like it's serving the same kind of audience. So it's just an interesting one to bring out now. Um, yeah, I'm curious to see how it does. I'm picking it up and playing it on launch day. Chris, I know you've been you've begrudged the price. Are you going to dive into this one? I'm I'm getting it. I'm not happy about it, but I'm getting it. <laughs> um, no, I'm uh, the curse of a Nintendo fan. I was listening to MVC. Shout out to Pear. Um, but he said exactly what this game is for. Like this is the the game that if you are in the car for 45 minutes or on a plane. Um, and you just have some time to kill. This is a great like before bed or while you're watching TV type of puzzle platformer. Um, it's like a game that can fit into your life right now. No, it, it really does. Um, and, and what's funny is I uh, I started playing Final Fantasy VII Remake on the Steam Deck, and I'm tr- like <laughs> I get like 15 minutes at a time to play it, and like while it's fine, I'm like this is gonna take me forever to get through, but something like this you know i could make some significant progress in in one evening um and feel pretty good about it and put it down and pick it up the next day and and continue on that path meanwhile final fantasy i look at it and i'm like cool i'm in chapter two and i'm probably going to be here for a while are you going to try and stick through it before rebirth comes out because that's in like two weeks final fantasy yeah i I don't have to um because my wife is going to play it before i will so Oh, um, mm-hmm. she, so she's playing crisis core right now on the PS five. Um, and the day that game drops, like that's all she's, she like becomes cemented to the couch when a game she wants to play comes out. Um, nice. so, uh, I'll probably watch her play it and then I'll probably play it like three years from now, uh, probably on this, whatever the next steam deck is. Cause that's just how it goes. Well, Mario versus Donkey Kong, I hope to have it beat next week. Uh, I have a busy week ahead, but hopefully I'll have it finished. It's a pretty short game, so we can talk about it on the show and see who made it and, and talk about how it is. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. It should be a good time. Next topic up is Nintendo dropped their Zelda and Splatoon concerts on their YouTube channel. Remember, these were the ones that were supposed to be at Nintendo Live in Tokyo this year, but that event was canceled due to people making threats towards Nintendo employees that were going to be working the event. This is the Really unfortunate situation, but Nintendo tried to make the best of it after the cancellation, filming these concerts instead and dropping them online for everybody worldwide to watch. Chris, I know you posted an adorable photo of your son, who apparently is a big Zelda music fan now. Yes, um, he actually he was really upset today. Uh, My mom was watching him. We were trying to get him to calm down and uh, I ended up putting it on and it like calmed him down immediately. Um, so, so he, awesome. yeah, he's like very into orchestral music now. So like, I'm probably going to start dipping into Fantasia and like stuff like that. Um, but it's been great. Um, I, I mean, I, I want them to like, I, I went to symphony, symphony of the goddess both times. I think, uh, cause I think they did two runs of that. Um, and the Pokemon, uh, symphony orchestra, kingdom hearts, 
Um, there was a Final Fantasy piano concert I went to. Um, like I, I love video game music. I love uh, you know any any type of uh, orchestra that you can hear live um, for a movie or a game. Like I'm, I want to be there for it um, and support it. Um, so I love that this is online. It is a little weird because I assume what happened is like Nintendo Live was scheduled. All these musicians were basically slated to get paid, and then they were like, "Well, we will still put on the concert. We'll just put it on the internet." Um, because they have moments where, like, at least after the first song, they take a pause as if they're stopping for an applause, and they just kind of stand there, and then they continue playing. <coughs> Excuse me. And then throughout the the rest of it, um, it's just song after song. They they roll through it, which I thought was interesting. Um, but uh. No, I, I really good selections. Um, I wish it was longer just because I, I want to watch it forever. But um, I did find it interesting that it was like you said, it was all the titles that are currently available for purchase on Switch and nothing else. Nothing else. Yeah. 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 It was the exact same show that I saw at Nintendo Live in, okay. in Seattle. So it was the same symphony, uh, different performers, but the same set list. And yeah, they, they don't know Wind Waker, no Twilight Princess. I wish they just tucked two of those in there. That would have been really nice. But people probably would have just turned it into, oh, does that mean they're coming to Switch? Yeah. That probably is what would have been. Probably, probably wanted to avoid that. that as much as possible. Yeah, like the one I went to, they had, um, like I remember Spirit Tracks was there and everyone was like shocked that they played a, a, a song from Spirit Tracks because like nobody likes that Spirit game. That's good. I like the soundtrack. <laughs> The soundtrack's very also, good. Also, people like that game. No, I know. People I know. like Spirit Tracks. You, you don't like Spirit Tracks, I'm guessing. I've actually never played it. Okay. Yeah, I but it seems it's, like it's it's, uh, it's the least talked about Zelda game, probably. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Maybe Four Swords. The first Four Swords that's on GBA. No, I talk about that way more. Okay. That game's yeah. not good. It's not, I like but I game. talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> you talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, no, Zelda was great. Uh, I did rewatch the whole thing. I thought it was awesome. Just that music is so iconic. And I've been listening a lot to the Tears of the Kingdom soundtrack ever since listening to that symphony. And it's making me want to replay that game. It really is like some of the music in there is so good. But I'm kind of hoping that whatever the mysterious next console is, I'm hoping that they release some sort of updated performance boosted version of Tears of the Kingdom. I don't know if they will, but I'd love to play that game at 60 FPS on the next machine and I would replay the entire thing if they did that. I know that I would, um, that would be, so I'm kind of holding out for that. And I have a lot of other games going on right now, but so yeah, I've been in a big Zelda mood again, as always Splatoon one, I thought was fun. Did you watch the Splatoon concert? I didn't. Um, yeah, I just, I haven't gotten around to it yet. It's kind of weird because a symphony Is it projections? No audience. Yeah, it is. it's a big screen that the three idols that, that should okay. find big man are on. Uh, and it's a rock concert, right? It's it's really upbeat rock and Splatoon music. And that one with no audience was a little bit awkward to watch. It it, it felt like kind of a flashback to like the early pandemic times where yeah. people were still putting things on and you watched it digitally and it was just weird and it didn't feel right. And that it was same vibes from the Splatoon concert. Again, I, I get the reason why it was this way. I understand the cancellation of the event, uh, but it was just kind of a weird one to watch. So I didn't finish it, but the, the Zelda one, I think that watching a symphony, it's usually like silent while you're just watching the symphony perform anyways. Like that's, it's a very different experience than a rock show. 
And the Sonic Symphony is both. It's both a symphony and a rock show, and it was the greatest night of all time. But anyways, the Zelda one's great. Splatoon one, I, I thought it was a little strange. I would have loved to see that one with a, a live audience rather than how they had to end up doing it. But yep, those are both on YouTube now, so go check them out because you never know if they're just going to take them off in a week. I don't know how long these are going to sit on YouTube. They could be gone any day. So yeah, go check those out. Last thing we have is EGAD's emails. A couple of really quick emails that were sent into toadstoolboardroom at gmail.com. The first one comes from Jordan, who says, I absolutely love Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Me too, Jordan. Last week, I asked people to write in if they liked that game, and Jordan wrote in and said that they absolutely love it. I do too. I was thinking about playing it again for the fourth time because it's just great. And then we got an email from Z1350. I believe I remembered how to say your name correctly. Yes. It says Total Boardroom. I'm glad you brought up that you bought the Roost Collection coffee grinder. I was going to buy that, but was not sure how well it actually grinds whole coffee beans. How do you like it? And Chris, you have a review ready to go. I do. I've been this whole episode. I've been drinking a, a cup of coffee uh, that I made uh, in my French press here uh, before the show. And if you are, I'll say this, it depends on how deep your love of coffee is and how much of a coffee snob you are. Um, so generally, if you, so I use a French press, I don't have a drip coffee maker. Um, and generally you want those grinds to be uh, bigger because they, if they're too small, they'll go through the filter um, when for a French press. And then uh, you just kind of get that like grittiness a little bit. Um, while you're you're drinking the coffee, and if that's your thing, then uh, you'll love this thing because uh, that's exactly what happened. Um, this coffee grinder is primarily meant for if you're using a filter or a drip coffee maker, um, and uh, it's just not not my deal. Um, it also is like kind of awkward, um, so I generally tend to only use a hand coffee grinder if I'm traveling and i have like a, a stainless steel one that I, I carry with me um that you can adjust like the the fineness of, of the the grounds and everything um and driver ladies and gentlemen always extra always Not extra wrong. but never wrong um <laughs> <laughs> but uh because of like the size of this thing like you really gotta if you've ever used a coffee grinder like by hand um, it's a lot easier if you can just like grip the whole end of it and then just get going. Um, this one, because it's like a box, it's just kind of awkward to hold. Um, but I, it's a cool display piece. If you have like a little coffee bar, it's like really cute to have it on there. Um, I have an electric, like I have a fellow, uh, uh, coffee grinder, French press and, uh, kettle. Like I'm never going to use this thing. Um, it's really just like a, a little, you know, nod to uh, Nintendo in my kitchen. Um, so I would, if you're okay with it being that as like a, a focal point, then like absolutely go for it. But if you don't need more junk in your house, then I don't recommend it. Great review, Chris. What's the score out of 10? Um, six out of 10 is what that sounded like to me. Yeah, I give it a six. Um, like the coffee, like I'm drinking the coffee. It's not like I'm like spitting it out, you know, like it's not bad. It's just I can make a better cup of coffee with the other stuff that I have in my house. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Nintendo has a lot of cool merch now. Like that's here's the kingdom mug that you're also drinking out of right now. I, I know it's, um, and it you can put it in the dishwasher, it's not hand wash only. 
this guy. Oh, nice. Yeah, you, you would nice. think. It, look look, at this. it looks like one that would be a hand wash, right? So you think surprising. it'd be a hand wash only, yeah. but no, this is a this is a solid one. Yeah, I like it. So, Chris, we've got a few extra minutes left, and I just had the idea to bring up something that's been on my mind today, which is I can't even believe that Sony name dropped basically that they're halfway through the PS5 generation, and then the next day Xbox said that their next console is going to be the biggest technical leap in video game console history. I just can't even believe it because I feel like those consoles have been a massive disappointment. I'm not afraid to say it. I think it's been a bad generation for PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. 90% of games you can still get on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. And the amount of resources it takes right now to get a AAA video game out on one of those platforms is nearly breaking the industry, right? If you follow industry news at large, there's layoffs every day. It's pretty safe to say. Pretty much every day. Every single day, there are layoffs, and there's targets being missed, and games getting delayed, and PlayStation saying, we're not going to have a recognizable franchise launch before next April. Like, don't get your hopes up for this fiscal year. And now we're already talking about the same buzzwords we talk about all the time, which is better hardware's coming in four or five years and i just can't help but look at this and think nintendo's gonna be the last one standing in all of this like they really are because i'm sure the next machine they release will be a 1080p machine and that will be perfectly fine and they ship games like once a month on it indie developers love it games are selling like crazy and it just makes me glad i'm a nintendo fan because i am worried about the other two platforms right now I'm very worried about the industry in general. Um, there's a lot of... How much time do we have? There, the, 10 minutes? There's, <clears throat> there's a lot of um, changes happening within the technology space. Um, on the development side, like you look at platforms like... Um, oh, my God. It's the one that they just Microsoft just integrated into GitHub. Um Actually, it's in Bing now, too. Actually, no, they put it in Windows 11. Um, I can't remember the name of it now. I feel like a jerk. What does it do? Copilot. Uh, Copilot is basically like this predictive AI that will... um, Awesome. How do I I explain this? So, like, when you're writing code, um, if you're writing a function and you're like, all right, I want this thing to... um, uh, It's a date tracker for selling peanuts or something i don't know i'm making something up okay um and it needs to do it by like an increment of like like we need to buy peanuts every fifth day of the month um you could type like in the comment section of like this is what i'm trying to do and then you start to write the function out in whatever language you're writing in and it will basically predict the rest of the function for you and you may have to make a few alterations here or there but like it's pretty dead on like most of the time that it writes what it needs uh what you're trying to get done um mm-hmm. so from a the time it's going to take to for uh, microsoft owns this product at this point like this is so you know that they're going to push this through every pipeline that they have at every one of their development studios so when micro and they have the the resources in both cloud infrastructure and um cloud infrastructure human um infrastructure and, and human resources um and studios at this point 
that when they come out and say the next generation is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen, I do believe that. I I think that there's there's something to that. I don't know if it'll be as big as they want it to be, but I think it'll be more revolutionary than the Xbox has been since the Xbox 360 days, which isn't saying much, but I still think it's worth mentioning because what they've done is lay the groundwork of like, you have Game Pass, play your games anywhere. If you're a PC player, we love you. Like all that good stuff. I'm I'm fine with that. They've they've planted those seeds. <laughs> then you have Sony, where you have these big AAA studios that they were knocking dingers for the entire PS4 generation, and they're still trying to ride on the coattails of that. And I think uh, me who me and I think most Sony fans at this point who like really were into like the tail end of the PS3 life cycle all the way through the PS4. I think we're all feeling pretty burned out by uh, the lack of new content here. Um, And looking at each other, like you said, I could have bought this game on PS4. Obviously, it wouldn't have run as well, but it's still available there. Um, They have a lot to prove. And them coming out and saying, we have no games coming out for the next what is it? Uh, 15 months, months, 13 months, yeah. something like that mm-hmm. <coughs> is absolutely ridiculous. I understand that, you know, the and, and I'm just a guy in a chair in Pennsylvania. Um, but I understand the pandemic happened. It shifted how a lot of like workflows need to like processes, uh, work in development studios. I understand that. Um, but something's got to give. And I think a lot of I think my problem with Sony is a lot of the issues that exist in that space are self-inflicted. Like they have had so many opportunities um, and so much goodwill with smaller indie developers and even just like smaller uh, like Japan Studios gone. Like there's no there's no reason they had to do that other than yeah. probably financials. Um, but that was like a big pillar of what the Sony brand was and what I think a lot of diehards were really all about. Um, and like you've said, like Nintendo, they have always kind of sat in that space of we're going to development cost is going to be low because we are on older hardware. We're on these. It's not that it's like archaic ways of development. It's modern development processes but it's less of an investment to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And we're, we finally have reached the point where it's like, I think they've, they're hitting the peak of Moore's law. I think AI is going to push it a little bit further. And it's not even in a buzzword sense. It's like the, it, it is a tool for somebody to do their job. I think that's, that that's the difference <laughs> between like how somebody in a, a leadership or a marketing position talks about AI versus somebody who's like, no, I'm actually using it in my day to day. Yes. Which yeah, AI has become a very scary buzzword because of the way some people want to use it. But AI has been helping people do things for many years. Like it's not new. It's just, I think some of the ways people are talking about how it's going to be used in the future. Like, do you see that Sora thing that pe- people were passing around today of like AI generated 60 second videos? Did you see this? No. Cause they look ridiculous. Just thinking about, 
how far AI, where AI was in December of 2022 when I feel like it started to really take off with chat GPT and all that stuff. Yeah. And now we're making 60 second videos that you can still kind of tell that they don't look real, but well, every, yeah, it always looks off and it, they're getting better. But like, um, there's also, you know, and then you start getting into like, there's a human element to it, right? Like you can tell when something is manufactured garbage, like your brain is just able, most of the time able to decipher, like this just feels off. Um, Why would I want to watch or interact with art made by a robot? Because art is interesting because a human wanted to make it for some reason. And they're expressing that reason within the art. Why would I ever want to do that? So yeah, the whole AI conversation largely frightens me as in an industry where big CEOs think they can just replace people with AI all across the industry. Like we've seen it happening at different outlets across the industry that are being replaced by like an AI editor that has happened. Um, at, at some websites and then also like i just would never want to engage with a video game that was not made by a person i don't see i don't see merit in doing that i'm not interested in it but no like you're saying there are ways that can actually be used to improve people's jobs currently it's improved and, and my job thing. like it, it is yeah there are times where i'm working and i'm trying to to solve a problem and if you if you know how to query a question or ask a question in the right way um and, and have a conversation with something like ChatGPT, like you can get e- e- exactly or close to what it is that you need out of it um, to, to complete whatever task it is you're trying to do. But you still, as of right now at least, you still need that person that has the experience to know what questions to ask. It's not like you can just drop somebody in front of an AI prompt and say, go do the thing. Like, they need to have experiencing like, well, this isn't going to work because if I do this, then this will happen. Like there, there is that, you know, design element to it as well. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, all that to say, I think Nintendo's in an awesome place. And Absolutely. I, I think that I don't see themselves stretching themselves too thin in the future, like with hardware that is difficult to develop on. So you can't have four teams where each working on their own game. Maybe you need to consolidate down to two teams working on two games. They're not going to do that. They reached that kind of critical mass in the Wii U era when they were developing an HD for the first time and half their teams were working on 3DS games. And they said, this isn't working. And what they do? The Switch. They merged that all into one and look what it's done for them. Like they're a smart company right now. And well, not and, seeing that from the other two. Think about the other industries that they're now involved in. They're involved in amusement parks. They're involved in the movie industry. They're opening another studio building in Japan. Like... Yes, they are doing the exact opposite of what all of these other companies are uh, because they can. And I think Nintendo is very smart at uh, what I think Nintendo is very good at versus many other companies is they will only hire the people that they need. And I and I think and it's not just Microsoft and, and Sony that has this problem. I think a lot of tech companies will do this where. <laughs> you'll have people that are like they're maintaining a budget and they say, okay, well we can afford to hire 30 more people in this uh, department or whatever, or this sect of the organization. They'll do it. And then those people don't have anything to do or they realize, Oh, maybe this wasn't the best idea. And then they lay off 30 or 50 different people to make up the difference. And it's like, what are you doing? Like you're just moving chess pieces around for no reason. Um, yeah. I think that 
a lot of that happened over COVID. Um, and now like, you know, with AI and all that happening, like you have a lot of CEOs that are like, oh yeah, I can only do, I can do all this stuff with half the amount of staff. And, um, it's just such a weird, we're in a really weird place right now. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think, and with Microsoft, especially like because of the number of studios that they bought, like they have to make money back on, on their Mm -hmm. investments because they are, they're a publicly traded company that is responsible for like a huge portion of the planet's technological infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if people realize how big Azure is. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. Cause you talk about Sony and PlayStation's like the core pillar of, of Sony's business. It's yeah. huge. It makes almost the most money for them compared to anything else. Xbox is a pebble uh, in the bucket of yeah. what Microsoft is. It's nothing. It is literally nothing. They could cut it loose tomorrow and go on forever. Like yeah. it wouldn't matter to Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited about Nintendo's future. And like you said, that people love to pass around like Awada taking that pay cut ten years ago, which is a really memorable moment in Nintendo history for sure when they were floundering. And Wait, who's it, the last CEO that you know that did that? Yeah, Japan yeah. or otherwise. Like it just doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. and I saw Reggie tweeted the other day. And said something people don't talk about with this enough is that Awada did this not just to protect employees from layoffs, but to ensure that they kept thinking about the future instead of worrying about the present. And I thought that was something really interesting. Like, I don't know if anybody in like a game development job feels secure at all right now. I bet the people at Nintendo do. When was the last time they laid had like public huge layoffs like that? Like company retention at Nintendo is insane like when when you're there you're probably there for the rest of your career unless you choose to leave and it seems like all the time there's people's like yep they were in art they they did basic art for this game then they directed the art team and then they directed this game right like there is upward mobility we see all the time in nintendo and it results in things like splatoon which was led pretty much by a new generation of nintendo developers not the miyamoto's anuma's sakurai's of the world but that next step down who are going to be the leaders once that older generation is gone and it's like i just look at everything they're doing and i'm like they're doing it right and wow 10 years ago we weren't saying that at all about this company, but no. they figured it out and it's crazy and it's great. And it's, I'm not worried about the next system because they're saying all the right things about the Nintendo account and maintaining the player base and not making the same mistakes they made with Wii U. And it's like, yeah, in a very tumultuous industry, Nintendo's not a question mark to me. And I think that if you're a Nintendo fan that you should feel good about that. And I know we're talking a lot about the business side of things, which sometimes people don't like on like this, like talking about the games and not the corporations and the but it companies. It does matter. Like it's, it does a lot without that. You don't have the games that you get to play. Yeah. Like tears of the kingdom. We talked about it a lot last year when that game came out. I don't know another studio in the world that could have made that game no. because of what it was. And they're the only ones because they're, they figured it out. And yeah, I, I hope it continues. I hope that they don't think they won't, but I hope they don't think they need to chase the 4K race or the 120 FPS. They won't because it's not sustainable. And we're learning that pretty rapidly. It's Naughty Dog might miss the PlayStation 5. They might not release a new game for it. Like, when was the last time a studio missed a generation? That's something that I've thought, but I have not wanted to say out loud. Um, but you're exactly right. Like 
And people will argue and say, we have Last of Us Part 1 and Part 2 remastered. And like, no, it's not the same. Yeah, it's not. And I know Sony bet way too hard on a games as a service thing. And now they're walking that back. And maybe that's why we're seeing this drought over the next 14 months. But still, I think we're supposed to have the Last of Us multiplayer. Go ahead. I think Fortnite really uh, had probably the worst ripple effect in video games that we've ever seen Um, in, in the mindset of people in leadership positions, because you had, especially at Sony, like I very publicly do not like Jim Ryan. I'm very glad he's gone. Um, I think he, he made some of the worst decisions in PlayStation history, in my opinion. Um, and you know, he is responsible for them acquiring Bungie. Bungie is basically on the brink of collapse. Like Bungie may not exist in the next two years because of what that man did. Um, and it's a shame. Like they, they are one of the biggest what they're probably the most one of the most important studios in the first person shooter space and they're going to cease to exist yeah it's, it's terrible and it probably won't be the last one if if it does happen like i hope they all get it figured out a bungee obviously but yeah where we could see some recognizable studios start closing their doors or becoming support studios on other things and uh, kind of a shell of what they used to be that's already happened like with it's some studios like activision owns yeah Toys for Bob just closed. I don't know if they did. They closed their studio, but they're working like remote now or something like that. That story got weird. Oh, I don't know if we know they closed for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think that got overblown when that first came out and then it circled back a couple days later. It's like, no, the studio still exists. They're just a remote studio now. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I think they're fine. They can still make a banjo game. Good. Hopefully. They need to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but all right. That is going to do it this week in the Toadstool Boardroom. We're a weekly Nintendo show here on Thursdays, this week, Friday, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you like to listen to your shows. You can watch the video version over on YouTube. Just search for Toadstool Boardroom. Find us on Twitter at ToadstoolBR and send us an email, ToadstoolBoardroom at gmail.com. Chris, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me. Excuse me, at Shrives93, one thing I want to throw out there before we leave, because as always, we have some semblance of breaking news um, whoa, whoa, during, whoa, whoa, not, whoa. not necessarily breaking news, I won't say that, but okay. but a, a little nugget um, that happened while we were recording. Uh, now that, quote, now that all the fighters have made, have been made into Amiibo, I guess my work on Super Smash Brothers Ultimate is finally coming to an end. Masahiro Sakurai. Thanks for everything. What an amazing journey you took us on. Yeah. One of the greatest games ever. Smash Ultimate's awesome. I can't wait to get the Sora Amiibo. Should be showing up in the mail tomorrow for me. I feel like I'm going to put it in my box of Amiibo and then the box is just going to start glowing. Like, just this gold aura. (laughs) (laughs) Took a long time to get here and now they're going to announce the new Smash next year and it's all going to start over again. Yep. Um, It'll be... It's complete at least... For now, but hopefully Soccer is working on another game for Nintendo. I'm sure he is. You can find me online at Logan J Plants. I'm writing a actual a column this week on IGN about Amiibo. Uh, hopefully that'll be up on Friday. So go and check that out. It's uh, about 10 years on. Is there a future for Amiibo on Switch 2? So go and hear what I think about that. And Justin is at a science fair. I look forward to hearing how that went next week. But until then, you can find him online at K-O-R-E-I-S with lots of Helldiver 2 clips because we're playing that together right now and that game is 
amazing. Is it really? But until next time, oh my gosh, yeah, dude. It's unreal. I keep seeing it people so talk good. about it, but then I also see people like it doesn't work. Like I haven't, I, I've uh, avoided it. Yeah, the it. servers have had issues because way more people are playing it than they expected. But mm. no, it's awesome. So that's actually a win. That's a Sony published game. So good on them. It's a there great game. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great one. So end on a little positive note there. Anyways, have a great week and we'll catch you next time right here on the Toadstool Boardroom. Bye.